Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church. Uh, good to be with you tonight. Glad you can join us. I'm going to be teaching out of the book of Proverbs again tonight. <clears throat> we talked from the same passage of scripture last week, but we're going to take it a little bit further this week. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 23. I'm going to read it in the King James Version, and then I'm going to also read it in the New International Version for a little more clarity. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You remember last week we talked about that word issue uh, in great detail. Now I'm going to read it in the New International Version. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else... Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. He's saying above everything else, he says, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from your heart. Uh, this is a picture of a father talking to his son. It seems like he's trying to depart into his son some wisdom for life. And, and you know, parents talk to their children all the time, and any normal parent would want what's best for their children. And if they can give them words of wisdom or share some experiences that they had with them that will help them in life, then they certainly would, and I'm sure they should. But the parent just talking to their children is only part of the equation. It doesn't do any good if the child is not willing to listen. Uh, if he's not willing to take heed to the advice he's being given, if he doesn't give him his ear and then listen intently, then the parent's words, no matter how wise they are or how, how good they are, or the experience that is behind them is not going to do them any good. In other words, the child must open his heart to the instruction and receive it. And that's why uh, the writer here is telling us, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. He says, pay attention to what I say Turn your ear towards my word. In other words, listen to what I got to say. Pay attention. And, you know, for the most part, people like to talk a lot. And, you know, men think it's mostly women. But I got to tell you, I was in the trucking industry for over 40 years. And uh, I don't know too many women that can out-talk a truck driver. Say amen, Patty Wack, if you're listening. <laughs> but no matter who's talking, the talking doesn't mean a thing unless somebody is listening. And you know the old saying, you know, God gave us two ears because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. Two ears and one mouth. And uh, so we're supposed to listen twice as much as we do as we talk. But that doesn't seem to be the case with a lot of people. 
And everyone has somebody in your life that does a lot of talking, but are you listening to them? You know, there's people in, in, in our lives that sometimes we just turn a deaf ear to as the saying goes. And we all have someone that we just won't attend to their words. We won't pay them much mind. We won't give them heed or incline our ear to what they're saying. And, and because a lot of it is just talk. It's just gossip. It's just rhetoric. There's no substance to it. And so we just kind of turn a deaf ear. And I don't mean we do it rudely. We just close our ear to it, you know, or we let it go in one ear and out the other. But, uh, <clears throat> Now, that would be a good thing if what they're saying doesn't amount to anything or doesn't mean anything, uh, but it could be good or it could be bad. Uh, if it's someone trying to give you some life-changing advice, it would be bad for you not to listen to them. And, uh, you know, there's things that they've gone through themselves. There's experiences that they have. There's uh, things that they can give you some good, solid advice on that could help you through life, maybe help you avoid some of the things that they've already gone through. Or if you're already going through it, maybe they could help you navigate through it or get out of it. Uh, for example, if you're lost in a forest and you've been wandering around for a couple of days, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're cold, you're wet. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if you came across someone who's been through the forest before and knows the forest well enough to tell you the way out? And if he told you, listen, just follow this path until you get to this big oak tree and then make a left, I think you'd listen to him, wouldn't you? Because he's telling you something that he knows uh, and it's going to get you out of the jam. It's going to get you out of the forest. Uh, and, and I'm sure you listen to him because of that. And the reason you would is because he's been through it. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the way. And, uh, you know, as pastors, my wife and I have done quite a bit of marriage counseling. And people come to us with problems, and we can usually help them uh, with their marriage problems because we've been married over 50 years. So, you know, there's not too many problems that we haven't experienced ourselves. And if uh, it was something that we haven't experienced, then we'd just tell them, say, hey, we're going to figure this out. We'll get through it together. But usually we've been through what they're going through right now, and we're able to help them. But here's my point. You have to know who to open your ears to and who to give heed to and who to pay attention to. You have to know uh, that somebody's got something that's valuable to say to you. And then you have to give heed to that and give them your ear because they have some uh, information that could help you out of your problem, uh, maybe strengthen your marriage, maybe save your marriage even. And uh, But you have to listen to them if you're going to get any help. And... Uh, I guess what I'm saying is don't listen to marriage advice from somebody that's been divorced three times. Don't look for some for financial advice from somebody that's filed bankruptcy twice. And, uh, you know, there's things that uh, uh, like rearing your children. You know, uh, there's a lot of books out there and there's a lot of advice you can get on, on raising children. Everybody has their own opinion, you know. But why would you take advice from somebody that never had any children? So I'm just saying that you have to be careful who you listen to and make sure the one you're listening to can really help you from experience and help you from uh, knowledge that they gained over the years by actually going through whatever it is that you're going through yourself. And uh, so uh, even when you're talking to someone that knows a way and someone that has experience, maybe somebody that you trust, you still have to be careful. Uh, you know, your eyes and your ears 
are the gateways to your soul, the Bible says. That's just the gateway to your heart as well, the soul and the heart, uh, the center of your very being. And, you know, the heart is an important organ because uh, your fleshly heart, the muscle pumps blood to your entire body. You can't live without it. It's very important. It's the same thing with your uh, very being, the heart of your soul, you know, uh, your spirit man. The spirit is also uh, called the heart as well. And so, you know, uh, your ears and your eyes are the gateway to your heart, to the very center of your being. And uh, uh, like we just read, out of the, your heart flow the issues of life. You live life out of your heart. And the boundaries and the restraints uh, come from your heart that you're going to live within. Your moral compass is established in your heart. And uh, that's through the beliefs that you establish. And, uh, you know, that's why we're instructed here to keep our heart with all diligence. He said, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And, you know, as Solomon and is probably taking advice from David and, and then he's passing it down to his son. And it's but it's all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's actually like God talking to us. It's our father, God talking to us. But how do you guard your heart? Uh you know, you guard your heart by guarding the gateways to your heart, and that's your eyes and your ears. If you guard your eyes and guard your ears, you're guarding your heart. And and when you're young or when, when you're a child, your eyes and your ears are open to just about everything around you. And, you know, God designed us that way. Children are just naturally inquisitive and they're, and they're curious, and they're always asking why. Why does this work? How does that work? Why, why, why? And it's because they want to know. They're, they're open to that. And uh, because they're listening, when you answer them, their heart is open to you. Their spirits are open to you. And, and because they're learning and they're establishing beliefs and they're establishing the boundaries and the, the barriers and the things that are going to guide their life in the future, uh, the restraints and the moral compass for their life, and it's going to guide their life as they get older. And uh, I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the devil is waging an all-out war for the souls of our children. And he's always putting things before their eyes and before their ears. He wants them listening to certain things because he recognizes and realizes the gateway to the heart. The center of their being is their eyes and the ears. So he's always giving them things to, to look at. He's always giving them things to listen to. And he does it at the earliest possible age because, like I said, when children are young, their hearts are open. They're inquisitive. They want to know what's going on. They got tender little hearts. And, and so he'll introduce them to uh, inappropriate things, maybe even porn at an early age. And uh, he'll introduce them to corrupt music with uh, the wrong words and uh, the words that will influence them later in life to do, to think wrong and to do wrong things. And he uses television and movies and social media like Facebook and YouTube and sports personalities and movie stars and, uh, concerts or whatever he can use to get into their hearts. He'll use every arsenal, uh, every weapon in his arsenal. And, uh, I mean, that's why they introduce him at a very young age to, I don't know, I'm just going to say a drag queen hour at the public library, you know, and uh, Harry Potter. Uh, in elementary school, they're, they're teaching them curriculum at a very early age of, uh, let's just say things that God would never approve of and maybe you as a parent would never approve of.
And, and it's, it's the devil's way of getting it into them young when they're hearts are personable and when their hearts are tender and open to different things. As you get older, you start developing some discernment and you close your ears and you close your eyes to things that you realize will be harmful. But a little child, he's too trusting for that. He just believes everything that they, that anybody would tell them. So you have to be careful. And when they're at that age, it's the parent's job to guard their heart and and to watch what goes into their eyes and watch what goes into into their ears. And you know, God taught Israel very early in life. He said in Deuteronomy four nine, He says, "Only take heed to thyself." And keep thy soul diligently. That's kind of like what Solomon was saying. Keep keep thy heart with all diligence. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. So what did the Lord teach him at an early age? The day he's talking about was the day that he came down upon Mount Horeb, and uh, he gave them the Ten Commandments and the Torah. And he declared to them his covenant, which he commanded them to perform the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and precepts that you might do them in the land which you are going over to possess. That's Deuteronomy 4.13 and 14 in the Amplified. He said, teach them to your children and your grandchildren, your sons and your sons' sons, your sons and your daughters and your daughters' daughters. In other words, teach them to your grandchildren. So, you know, grandparents have a responsibility in the rearing of the children and their family as well as the uh, their sons and daughters, their parents. And, you know, uh, personally, when it comes to our grandchildren, you know, we love to spoil them and we love to be grandma and grandpa to them or papa and mama, whatever you prefer. But we never override the parents' wishes. If uh, the parents told us that they don't want them drinking soda uh, or eating certain things, then, you know, with a lot of sugar in them, then we wouldn't let them drink soda and we certainly wouldn't feed them what their parents don't approve of. And, you know, my wife and I have always tried to abide by the parents' rules. But on the other hand, if they told us that they don't want us praying with them, they don't want us reading the Bible to them or praying at the dinner table, then there's going to be a problem because we have a greater commandment than theirs, and that is to teach our grandchildren. And God did tell us to teach them about him. And, you know, uh, we happen to have children that believe in God, and, you know, we thank the Lord for that. Uh, but there are parents out there that, don't teach their children about God. And if they have a believing grandparent, then that's a grandparent's job to teach their children, their grandchildren about God. Teach them God's ways. And he said to thy sons and thy sons' sons. So it is a grandparent's job to teach to a certain extent. And it's important that they're taught when they're young, because like I said, when they get older, their beliefs for the most part have already been established. It's hard to change their minds as they get older. And uh, their heart is pretty much closed to anyone or anything that they don't purposely open it up to. You know, when they're little children, their heart is always open. They're always willing to learn. They're curious. They're inquisitive. They ask questions. But as they get older and their beliefs have already been established, they pretty much keep to themselves. And 
it's very hard to get their hearts open again. And the way to your heart is opened by uh, the opening of your ears and the opening of your eyes. And if so if your ears are closed and your eyes are closed to certain things, then your heart is closed as well. Because your ears and your eyes is the gateway to your heart. It's the pathway to your heart. And that's why it's so important who and what you listen to. And, and this is why discernment is so important. And, you know, we're living in a time now where it really takes discernment. And, and it needs to be God's discernment. And uh, discernment is not uh, suspicion. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's a gift from God. And we call it the gift of discernment. But some people think it's the gift of suspicion. And, and we're, we're suspicious of everything. Well, that's not really discernment. Discernment is something that will tell you the difference between the truth and a lie. And, and so we need that discernment more now than ever before because there's so many lies and so many deceptions out there. It's easy to get deceived. It's easy to open your ears and your eyes to the wrong things. And you allow things into your heart that shouldn't ought to be in there. And uh, so you have to know what to open your heart to and what not to open your heart to. And that comes through discernment. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what a bypass is. Uh, uh, it could be a heart bypass where you bypass a, a clot in one of the arteries or something. But I'm talking about a, a bypass on the highway. Like when we go to Chicago, uh, sometimes depending on the time of the day or, or whatever, if we feel there's going to be a lot of traffic in the city, we'll take the bypass around Indianapolis. And, and that's the highway that was built to go around Indianapolis if you wanted to avoid going through the heart of the city. And, and that's kind of what discernment is like. It allows you to bypass certain things that are coming into your ears and coming in through your eyes and uh, on the way to your heart. And so everything passes through the mind where it's either accepted or rejected. And uh, that's where it has to be discerned. Something comes in your ears and it's it pauses in the mind, and that's it, where you have to reject it or accept it. Now, if you reject it, uh, we call it going in one ear and out the other. It never gets to the heart. It, it bypasses the heart and goes straight out. Uh, and if you accept it, then that means that you've opened your heart to it, and it will go into your heart, and you'll receive it. And uh, in other words, uh, if it bypasses the heart, it will do you no harm. But if you allow it in and it's something bad, then it's going to cause some problems for you. And again, if you got discernment, you realize it's a lie as it's coming in, hit the bypass and, it's, and it goes without entering your heart. But if you open your heart to someone, they're going to be able to establish beliefs in your heart. And that's, and that's the most important thing because good or bad, that's why it's so important for you to be careful what you allow into your heart, what you open your heart to. And when you incline your ear or take heed to someone's sayings, then you're giving them access to your heart and the ability to change your heart or change the beliefs that's in your heart or alter them. And, and that's, a, that's really a tremendous thing because out of your heart are the issues of life. Out of your heart are the boundaries uh, established and the restraints established, the moral compass is established that's going to lead your life and guide your life. So it's very important that you guard your heart. That's why he said with all diligence, he said above all else, guard your heart. You have to be careful what you're allowing into your heart. And if you accept what they say as truth, then you will eventually do what they say. It just affects you. 
You know, it's like I said, when the beliefs are established in your heart, uh, you might not think it's a big deal, but it affects the way you live. It affects what you do. Uh, it's like I talked about the Ford F-150 and the, and the Chevy Silverado. If I really believe the F-150 is a better vehicle than the Silverado, then when I go shopping for a truck, I'm going to buy an F-150. So it does affect you. Uh, what you believe in your heart affects the way that you live. It affects the way that you shop. It affects the way that you look at life overall. And, and you know, I've seen people get talked out of church because they opened their heart to someone that either didn't believe at all and convinced them that what, that, uh, there was, a, it was a waste of time going to church or maybe they didn't believe the way that they did and got them to thinking and opened their heart to wrong things. And next thing you know, they're out of church. And you know, whoever you open your ear to, you open your heart to. And when your heart is open to someone, one of three things will take place. Beliefs are either established, confirmed, or tore down. One of, one of the three is going to happen. Beliefs are going to be established, confirmed, or torn down. In other words, they're going to alter what you believe. And once you alter what you believe, it's going to alter the way that your life is led, the way that your life is guided out of your heart. So guard your hearts, the Bible says. If, if a wrong belief gets into you, in your heart, it's going to hinder you from achieving God's best for your life. Israel was God's chosen people, and God always wanted the best for them, just like any good father would for his children. And that's why he, he told them about a promised land. And uh, he wanted to lead them there. And in that land was God's best for his children. All Everything was, that God wanted his children to have was in that land. It was a land, as he described, that flowed with milk and honey. And, and it was a land of great provision, a land that was more than enough. But there was a problem. The children of Israel had been in slavery for over 400 years in the land of Egypt. And they were used to living in a, in a land that was not enough. And so God raises up Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and lead them to the promised land that he told them about, the land that was more than enough. And so Moses, through a series of miracles, finally gets Pharaoh to release God's people. And so he begins to lead them into the wilderness, which is a land that was just enough. And they go through the wilderness and they witness all kinds of miracles like the splitting of the Red Sea, the water that came from a rock, uh, manna from heaven or food that came from heaven, all kinds of miracles. And finally, they come to the promised land. And you know the story. They sent out 12 spies on a reconnaissance mission to spy out the land and see what's going on, what's the land like. And, and when they come back, they all agreed that everything God said about the land was true. It truly was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a beautiful land. and uh, But 10 of them, 10 of the 12 spies brought back a negative report. God called it an evil report. And they said, we are not able to go in and possess it. And Numbers 13.33 tells us why they thought they weren't able to possess it. It says, and there we saw the giants, the son of sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. That was in the King James. Now I want to read it in the New Living Translation. 
He says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And so uh, here's the thing. If they were spies on a reconnaissance mission, how would they know how they looked in the giants' sight or what the giants thought about them? Because I'm sure the giants never saw them or they would have killed them. And, and they obviously didn't talk to them if they never saw them. So how would they know how the giants viewed them or what the giants thought about them? Where did that thought come from? Well, because they felt. So they were walking by sight. They were walking by feelings. They were walking according to their carnal flesh. And so they imagined it because that's how they saw themselves. And they said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Okay, it's a matter of opinion. If that's the way you see yourself, I guess that's legitimate. But you can't say how they saw you or how they think of you. And they said that we felt like grasshoppers. Again, walking by feelings. And how could the spies have known what they looked like in the giant's eyes or what the giants thought about them? And the answer is this. They couldn't. They had no way of knowing. And the only reason they thought the giants saw them like that as grasshoppers uh, is because that's how they felt about themselves. That's how they saw themselves. In other words, they had a pretty low opinion about not only themselves, but they had a low opinion about their abilities. I mean, if they're grasshoppers, you might say they're bugs and in the sight of the giants, you know, bugs can be squashed. So they looked at themselves in comparison to a bug and the size of the giants, and they thought, well, they could just squash us like bugs if they wanted to. But, you know, they, they didn't see themselves as good enough. And I know God promised us that good land, they're saying, but I'm not strong enough to take it. Why? Because in our own sight, we can't see ourselves doing it. We can't see ourselves going in and possessing it because we don't feel like it's possible. And, you know, when it comes to faith in God and faith in God's word, we can't go by feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by feelings. We walk according to what God says and not according to what we think or what anybody else thinks. And, and that's how you have to walk in faith is by going according to what God said, not how you feel, not how you think. And, you know, it was far from the truth as the way that they looked at themselves was far from the truth because they really underestimated their own abilities. And, and not only that, but the main thing is this, they underestimated God's abilities and God's word because he told them that they could. He won't tell you to go in and possess something if it's not possible. And usually when God tells you to go in and possess something, he goes before you and he makes sure that it happens. He makes a way for you when there seems to be no way. But that takes a step of faith. And so the real truth about how the giants viewed Israel is in Joshua chapter 2. This is some 40 years later when uh, they, they were at the borderline of the promised land again, getting ready to go in. But this time they send in two spies. And guess who they were? Joshua and Caleb, the two original spies that went in with the other 10, uh, and they were the only ones that had a positive report. The other 10 spies, along with the entire generation, died off in the wilderness. So here it is 40 years later. Joshua and Caleb go back into the land to spy it out. And uh, 
they come to a woman's house by the name of Rahab, Rahab the harlot. And she hides them from the soldiers that are looking for them. Uh, and she tells them the truth about how they looked in everyone's sight. In Joshua 2.8, it says, And she said unto the men, the two spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. In other words, where the other ten spies were fainting, in reality, the giants were fainting, because before they went in, God had a reputation go before them. And so she says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man, including the giants, because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This woman is a harlot. She's not a godly woman. She, uh, I mean, she's a Gentile. And she's got more faith and more courage than most of the Israelites had. And, and you know, she understood what God was like. She understood the reputation God had for Israel. And, and when they heard Israel was coming, they fell apart. Their hearts melted. And it would have been the same thing 40 years earlier when they were going to go into the promised land originally. So the excuse of the first generation was that they thought, they felt like the people of the land could crush them like bugs. But what was the true reality? They were actually in great fear and terror and because of it, their hearts melted and they lost courage. And so uh, why didn't they get into the land? The same reason a lot of people don't get into the land today. You know, we have a promised land in the New Testament, and that's life in God, life in the Holy Ghost, life in the kingdom of God. And the same reason they don't experience God's best for them today is they can't see it for themselves. They question their abilities. They're walking by feelings. They're walking by sight and not by faith. And because of that, because they can't see it or feel it, they never even try it. And so we don't try things because we don't think that we can uh, succeed. And, but why couldn't they see it? Because they were raised in Egypt. That's why they couldn't see it. The land of not enough. And all their lives they're told and treated like they weren't good enough and they didn't deserve anything and that they were inferior to everyone else. And they didn't have what it takes to be successful and do things for themselves. In other words, the devil just beat them over the head with and told them, this is the reason you're slaves. You, you don't have the ability. You can't do anything for yourself. Uh, you don't deserve anything. But the Egyptians saying all those negative things really wasn't the problem. Uh, the real problem is that Israel listened to those Egyptians and believed what they said about them. And that altered their life because out of their hearts flows the issues of life. But what about the generation that finally did enter in? They're raised in the wilderness, the land of just enough. Uh, see, they didn't actually experience the land that was not enough. And, and so they had an experience of the land that was just enough where they would see the miraculous hand of God and they would see the supernatural provision of God and you know, the Red Sea part, the water from a rock, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud uh, 
a pillar of cloud by day, the manna from heaven, the delivering power of God. They were witnesses of all that stuff. They knew the ability of God. And, and those beliefs that God was able is what profe- propelled them forward and caused them to enter into the promised land, uh, the land that was more than enough. And so Israel went from uh, not enough to just enough to more than enough. But it took 40 years and a whole new generation to change the beliefs that were in their hearts. So that's why it's so important that we get the right beliefs established in our hearts. And, and, you know, it's better if they're young when we establish them. It's better if you're young, your heart is more open, more tender. But uh, if if you've already got beliefs, I know people got born again and turned their whole lives around. I'm one of them. Uh, just turned my whole life around. Sure, I had a lot of bad beliefs that I had to overcome. But I'm telling you, if you want to, God can open your heart and you and establish new beliefs in you. And them old beliefs will pass away. And you'll start walking and living by the new beliefs that you've established in your heart. But you've got to want to do it at the, at the later ages. And it is harder, but it can still be done. But no wonder God said, above all things, guard your heart. Above all things, with all diligence, guard your heart. And the reason they went in is because they believed that they could. They believed in the ability of God. They believed in their abilities. And they believed that God was able and that his word was true. And when he said to go in and possess the land, they believed that they could do it. And so uh, they believed they were good enough and they had what it would take to go in and possess that land. And they believed that they had uh, everything they needed to be successful and they had God behind them uh, of everything, of all the things they had, they had God behind them and he was on their side. And these are the, the same things that would keep us from going in, uh, going by our feelings, going by what we think, you know, never mind what you think, what does God think? Never mind what somebody told you, what did God tell you? Uh, you know, some of us don't believe we could quit smoking. Some of you don't believe that you can lose weight. Some of you don't believe that you could get a better job. You can handle a promotion. You can do this or that. And, and the first thing you have to do is reestablish that belief in your, your heart that you can do it because God will make a way. God is able and he'll make you able. And, and uh, you could even start your own business if you want. You can be successful if you just believe in yourself and above all, believe in God. And some of you settled in the land of not enough. I mean, there's some people just living in the land of not enough, just going from one week to the next, not knowing where the uh, next paycheck is going to come from and think. And that's not God's best for you. And then there's some that have made it to the land of just enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making it, uh, you know, not by much, but I'm making it. And we're happy there. But very few ever make it to the land that's more than enough. You know, now I got more than enough. I got more than I need. I got so much that I'm giving some away and I'm helping people that are living with not enough and I'm helping people that are living with just enough and giving them a little extra, you know. But it's God's best is for you to live in the land that's more than enough. And, and he's made provision for that. He's He's made that land for you to live in and he wants you to go in and possess it and he wants you to dwell there, not just visit there. He wants you to live in the land that's more than enough. And, and you know, yes, there's going to be a few walled cities. There's going to be some battles to fight, some giants to slay, some mountains to climb, some rivers to cross. But God says you are well able. And if God be for you, who could be against you? 
So we need to get uh, uh, to a place where we start establishing some uh, beliefs in our heart that, yes, we do have the ability. And yes, I can do it. If anybody else can do it, I can do it because I've got God on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you for the word that's come forth. Father, I pray that it helps somebody tonight. I pray that it, it whets somebody's appetite for the land that's more than enough, for the promised land of God in the Holy Ghost, that they begin to walk in, in, the, in not only their abilities, but where their abilities quit, God's abilities pick up, and God will get them into the land, and God will help them to dwell in the land and stay in that land, and that we begin to trust in him, and we move according to his guidance and the things that he's established in our hearts. So we give you the praise and the glory for it. Thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday, uh, probably about 1045, 1050. We'll go on the air, Facebook Live. Have a good one. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.